0: Welcome back to Return to Odyssey. I'm Rachel.
1: And I'm Josh. And we're back today with a two parter episode to review for you guys.
0: So this will be a little longer than usual. Fasten your seatbelts. We figured it was much easier to do two parters conflated into one episode.
1: Conflated is a great word.
0: Thank you. Before we get into that, we have a new review. Yay! Hooray!
1: It's our first Canadian review.
0: Yes, it is actually titled First Canadian Review. Five stars, great content, keep up the good work from a fellow Odyssey podcaster, Adventures into Odyssey by Wyatt Jackson72.
1: So, thank you. It's funny because when we first started doing this show, I came to Rachel. It was kind of my brain baby first. And I said, You know what's never been done? (laughs) A podcast about adventures in Odyssey. We should totally do it. And little did we know that there's actually kind of a lot
0: more of us than Uh, we originally thought. So, that's awesome.
1: There's a a whole odyssey podcasting community that we're just now dipping our toes into Mm -hmm. moving on today's episode is brought to you in part by
0: audible and our book recommendation this week is at home in midford by jan karen Mm -hmm. that is the first of her series if you've never read them they're very fun sweet americana very similar to what odyssey was going for especially in the first years of its
1: yeah uh, in the early episodes we have this idealized american small town town, Mm -hmm. and that's really what at home in mitford is about it's all of the citizens of this little town called mitford the main Mm -hmm. character is a Priest named Father Tim.
0: priest, I believe.
1: And it's just him dealing with his congregation and his community, and there's a lot of humor and a lot of life and a lot of warmth. It's good, good stuff. stuff. It's good stuff. If you are interested, Focus on the Family has also done a radio theater production of At Home in Mitford yes. that is very, very good and well worth your time to listen to.
0: What particularly reminded us of this book in relation to the episodes we're about to review is the Odyssey episodes introduce a boy from a rather rough background, Mm -hmm. and the way that he is presented and the way that everybody deals with him we found contrasted very starkly with the way Dooley in At Home in Midford, who is a boy from an even rougher background, is presented and the way that all the adult characters in particular deal with him. So
1: With no further ado, let's go ahead and get into today's story. It's titled...
0: A Member of the Family. And we did a little bit of research on this. This episode was originally aired as part of Family Portraits, which was a sort of pre-Odyssey set of episodes. And if you look at the list of Adventures Odyssey episodes in chronological order, they've reused many of the Family Portraits episodes, this being one of them.
1: And it's kind of weird because it's sort of odyssey but it's also proto-odyssey yeah there's
0: lots of things that are gonna come up that don't feel like odyssey
1: you can tell that they were working through concepts and characters and Mm. hadn't quite ironed out what they wanted odyssey to be other than this kind of everyman americana kind of community yeah I would almost go so far as to say, even though this was included, it was re-aired as an Adventures in Odyssey episode. Mm -hmm. But I would almost say that it's kind of an alternate universe Odyssey because characters act in ways that are strange. And then other things show up that aren't quite what we've come to expect with Odyssey. Odyssey. It's,
0: It's Odyssey Legends.
1: Yeah. I would almost throw it out and say, this is not canon. Although it, I guess it is?
0: As we go into other episodes that are part of the Odyssey canon, there are certain things that happen, particularly in the second part, that are referenced again. Mm -hmm. So we can't throw it out altogether, but there's a lot going into this that... We needed to remember this is them still working through developing Odyssey.
1: And with that, interestingly, we found that our episodes with negative reviews get more listens than anything else. So strap in, guys.
0: This to skyrocket. I'm sorry, we have another rather harsh episode. The music starts, and we have absolutely no Chris. Intro.
1: Yeah, there's no welcome, no sketch, no guess the Bible character no, game.
0: So actually, this is the first time we have no prep for the episode. The only reason that I knew what was going on is I remembered episodes involving wit's family, which that's what this is.
1: And going back into this episode, I had no memory of it at all from my childhood. Yeah. We had this album, I thought... and so I must have heard it probably multiple times. But the story just did not stick in my brain. No.
0: This one, as we listened to it, this one was not one that I had heard, but I had heard other episodes about Witz family and I thought this was a different one. Anyway, we just have music, lots of music, and Wits Oh hi there
1: Yeah, his little I dialogue. was just working on
0: one of my inventions here, blah blah blah. So kids listening to this initially would have no clue what's going on. Unless they, unless they were already they had familiar listened to with the original family portraits. So the first scene is wit and tom at an airport and you hear airport sounds in the back and wit is asking tom what time it is and it's about 4:30 ish and and they're Whit there super to, excited
1: yeah they're there to pick up wit's grandson monty monty i mm-hmm. keep wanting to call him maury no sorry about that's, that that's for not everyone maury.
0: it's monty and he's super excited because he hasn't seen monty in three years they keep talking and, and tom says he hasn't seen monty since he was born and then Witt pulls out recent pictures that his daughter, Janna, the first time any of his kids are named, mm-hmm. that I remember. Or how, mentioned at all. Or mentioned, yeah. His daughter, Janna, sent them pictures from their new place in Pasadena. So she's moved out to California. And they don't say in any of the episodes that we have listened to yet, but Adventures in Odyssey is in Illinois-ish. It's yeah, not too far we're outside Chicago. Yeah, we're never told exactly
1: where Odyssey is.
0: Right, but it's mid-country. So it's interesting that
1: she lives in Pasadena. Connie's from California. There might be some Ooh, kind of glamour. like well, also some kind of weird bias against California where this is the land of sin.
0: The land of sin. Oh dear. Vanity Fair is in California. Why Josh says that is because almost directly after they're looking at the pictures, Tom says, it's so sad about the divorce. Of all people, you would think Jenna and Phil would stay together. And what's like, mm, yeah, it surprised all of us. So automatically, they've gone through a divorce. We're not sure how recently. It seems recent based on what they say.
1: Well, yeah, based on Tom's reaction, it feels like it's pretty recent past. Yeah. And it's interesting because this is the third case where divorce is specifically mentioned in odyssey three out of are we on episode eight now
0: no this is nine and ten i
1: think three out of ten episodes specifically mention divorce Mm -hmm. and it's interesting that that is i wouldn't call it a hobby horse for odyssey but it is certainly something that comes up repeatedly and if you look at statistics from the era when these were coming out The divorce rate really skyrocketed from what it had been in the late 60s, early 70s, and continued climbing into the 80s. And the 80s. Yeah, the 80s and 90s were absolute peak for the most divorces per capita Mm -hmm. in the United States.
0: So this was something that was very relevant to the culture and the demographic that focus on the family was shooting for with their adventures and odyssey episodes
1: and what they were trying to serve and the culture Mm -hmm. they were trying to speak to Mm -hmm. this wasn't merely trying to be relevant for the sake of being relevant this was this is a legitimate societal problem that we're going to
0: address Mm -hmm. so that gives a little explanation story-wise why potentially they had monty come from a divorced family as they continue talking Tom says, as he's been thinking about it, we could really use an outfielder on the Coyotes, and if Monty wanted to, he could play on the team. He says specifically that most all the Coyotes are about nine, which is how old Monty is. And that's actually the first time, I think, that we have been given a specific age for a kid in Odyssey.
1: Yeah, I think you're right.
0: Usually we've been having to guess, but we know Monty is nine, which kind of helps, as we shall see. So... says is fine if he wants to do that that's okay and then monty shows up and very quietly just kind of hi grandpa hey monty and he gives monty this big bear hug
1: and tom's there welcoming him and monty's kind of reticent he doesn't really have much to say very
0: lackluster like hi so high contrast there.
1: And then Tom goes to get the car and Monty and Wit are left to get his bags.
0: And Wit apparently makes note of Monty's carry-on, which I'm not entirely sure if it was big or small or what have you, but he says, is that all you brought on the plane with you? And Monty says, oh yeah, I have my movies in here.
1: So he's lugging around a carry-on full of VHS tapes.
0: Yes. Because there were no DVDs and there was no digital, you can't bring the movie on your phone. He is literally carrying around VHS tapes, which I don't know that that ever happened.
1: Yeah, that seems extremely impractical.
0: So that's actually the second thing he says is, you do have a VCR, don't you? I'm afraid I don't.
1: Yeah, and so we know from future episodes that Wit doesn't even own a TV. (laughs) This is kind of a thing for Wit. But he doesn't get into all of that with Monty.
0: It's just hinted at here. We don't. Need, we're not even told specifically that Wit doesn't have a TV, but it is implied as we continue. And Wit just kind of is like, okay, so you're a big movie buff. Oh yeah, I'm gonna direct movies when I grow up. Oh okay, that's a very interesting ambition. So Do you get cable.
1: Yeah. So several things that we need to address here simultaneously. Mm. These are weird things for a kid to say within seconds of meeting his grandpa that he hasn't seen in three years. And this is all set up to paint Monty as kind of a snot. He shows up. He hasn't seen grandpa in a few years. And he's like, do you have cable? Wait, what? Who asks this? What is going on here? At at the
0: most, if he's uncomfortable talking to Grandpa, does he even talk at all? I can see a realistic scenario playing out where Wit is doing the one-sided conversation and trying to ask Monty questions about what's going on at home you know do you like school and All he's giving like and he's one giving word one answers word answer. that is a more believable
1: than him showing up and immediately, and immediately asking, asking to watch tv tv yeah so that's weird and unrealistic and the whole reason it's included is kind of to set us up for this idea that monty is not a good kid so
0: the mm. issue that we have with this is the way in which it is set up as we had just said one word answers to his questions could have set us up to think okay Monty is either very uncomfortable or he's not maybe the best kid, or mm-hmm. even the tone of his voice could have set it up. But they chose to make him a movie buff to unrealistically carry around these VHSs and to instantly be asking about the TV.
1: He is a caricature, and Monty has problems, but him liking TV or having an ambition to make Should movies not is not really one of them. Yeah, it's not really one of them. And what this does is it's really, to me, setting up the biases of the producers and writers of Adventures in Odyssey that this is the shorthand to let us know that this is a bad kid. In old movies, old black and white movies especially, there was a lot of storytelling shorthand that went into things. You knew someone was the bad guy if he's smoking a big cigar.
0: And wearing or a if, black suit.
1: Or if he's wearing a black cowboy hat. These are movie shorthand for bad guy. Odyssey has been pulling the same kind of shorthand to get us to the point, without even knowing anything about this kid, to be like, Ugh, this kid. We don't like him. But I would argue that this is a poor way to tell a story. It's a poor
0: choice of shorthand. To use movies and that kind of technology as the shorthand is a problem.
1: And we've observed before, and we probably will observe again, that there seems to be this technological snobbery that goes on in Odyssey. Analog format stuff is superior to digital format stuff. Radio shows are superior, morally superior even, to TV or to movies. Mm -hmm. There's this idea that older stuff is inherently better than newer stuff. And it doesn't really do any favors to emphasizing the actual themes that they're going for.
0: Yes. And because these are meant to teach, the way that they present things like TV and things like video games, as we see later on in the series, they are setting up more legalistic standards than are necessary.
1: Mm -hmm. And rather than being a comedic sort of stereotype, think Mike TV in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Roald Dahl never intends his audience to take these characters seriously. Mm -hmm. These are rotten kids through and through.
0: And caricatures, and you know they are caricatures.
1: And caricatures of specific faults that kids can have.
0: Right. Right. Monty is not set up as a caricature, intentionally, as far as we know. Yeah. Everything, and this is one failing of the entire show, is that everything is played absolutely straight. There is no humor in this show.
1: In this episode.
0: In these episodes, I'm sorry. In one and two. There's no humor.
1: Which is a shame, because honestly, as far as my observations of these early Odyssey episodes go... The best episodes are always sprinkled with comedy. There's always a sense of humor or at least a gentle winsomeness. And there's not really much of that in these episodes. They're Mm -mm. pretty heavy handed.
0: Yeah. So let's continue with the plot or we'll just (laughs) stay on here monty asks do you have cable and wit says no i don't it is available for those who want it because he says can you get a cable in odyssey yes you can
1: yeah this is the big city kid coming to small town odyssey and being Mm -hmm. like what is this podunk nowheresville
0: yeah so then his bag comes and he's like oh there's my bag here hold this and the The sound sounds like he just tosses it at wit catches it okay don't run, Monty. And he goes and gets his bag. So already we've set up this... Well, Monty obviously is careless and disrespectful of yeah. his grandpa, and Wit is being patient, long-suffering. Tom pulls up with the car, and they're driving back to Wit's house, and Tom is talking about... The baseball team. The baseball team, and kind of pushing this really hard to Monty. You know, do you want to be on our team? We could really use an outfielder. And he's like, is the team any good? Well we're doing okay but it's mostly about getting out there and having fun so
1: tom has this whole deal where he starts complaining actually about a recent award ceremony
0: well he starts the conversation with asking what if he saw their award ceremony on friday on channel six and i noticed that this is the first time tv is discussed in regular conversation in adventures and odyssey
1: and once again though it's like i nope did not see it yeah he doesn't go any further than that he doesn't explain
0: why which is okay but i think that's part of why tv being the shorthand for this kid is a bad kid is because tv is not talked about by anybody else aside from uh, the bad kids the bad kids Yeah, this is the first time that it's actually talked about by somebody that we respect, somebody that we're supposed to admire.
1: He brings up the award ceremony for the sake of complaining about how it went and saying that the judges only cared about the kids having skill. Can she throw? Can she catch? And he uses that whiny tone he actually it actually sounds like a teenage
0: girl it's weird and oh. he's like
1: when do they care about sportsmanship i've got this little girl on my team who's the best little loser i know and she should have gotten a trophy and just even the statement the best little loser i know i'm just yeah. like come on yeah. there is much to be said for kids playing games and learning to lose graciously i think that games are wonderful for kids i think games are wonderful for adults too
0: and part of sportsmanship is losing but Wait. there is something to be said for having specific awards for your skill in the sport. And if everybody got a trophy, then those trophies for specific skills would lose value.
1: And a trophy specifically for You're the Best Loser is so Dang. dumb.
0: <laughs> no, one, about no
1: one actually wants that trophy.
0: Yeah. So anyway, all that takes place in says, I think I will pass.
1: Tom is almost begging him-ish to that be on the That was
0: beforehand, team. yeah.
1: And so we have, again, this kind of bias, and I'm going to use the term Americana probably multiple times, because we have this idea of wholesome boyhood is being outside and playing baseball, which may or may not be true. I was never really into team sports as a kid. I played some baseball. My brother and I would go out in the yard and do home run derby <laughs> and hitting balls around. But I never played seriously. I was not wired for that. I was the kid who would much rather be up in my room drawing cartoons and listening listening to music. music. That was my jam when I was a kid. Learning to juggle. I did much more solitary kind of things.
0: Yeah. So so playing sports
1: is not inherently good. Just as... Enjoying TV is not inherently bad, but they're kind of presented almost as if they well, are.
0: Well, and Monty's lack of interest in the sports because they're not necessarily a very good team.
1: It's also not is, a mark not against a his character. Yeah,
0: and maybe he isn't into baseball. So anyway, they get home and Monty's putting his suitcases away in his room, and he asks, "Oh, what's that that I smell?" And Whit says, "Oh, it's pizza. Do you like pizza?" And he said, "Yeah, if it's takeout."
1: As long as it's not a frozen pizza. Yeah, as long as it's
0: not a frozen pizza. And Wood said, what if it is? Oh, no, that's okay. We can go out. Do you have any good pizza places? And this is the only time where I can say that Whit handled this with impunity. He said, tell you what, try eating the pizza.
1: If you, you don't like it, we've got other stuff, you and could jelly. have peanut butter and jelly. And that is about as gracious as you can expect him to be at this point.
0: Yeah, because to assume that Grandpa's going to take you out for pizza simply because you don't like frozen pizza is supremely ungrateful and thoughtless. And dumb. And dumb.
1: I would say it's never mentioned, but is Wit using his Wit's flop invention to make this pizza?
0: Oh, I hope not. That would have been terrible pizza.
1: It might have been great pizza. All the kids in that episode were like, hey,
0: great pizza. Well, we've had that discussion. I can't see how it would be great pizza. But anyway, so time cut, and Wood says, well, you might not be a fan of pizza and salad, but you can sure put away the brownies. And Monty's like, oh, I love
1: brownies. And he starts, he's, he's eating gonna take a lot of into, brownies, yeah. and he's going to take the whole plate with him into his bedroom, and he was Wood's like, go into whoa, the whoa, 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 what are you yeah. doing? So
0: you've had enough brownies, let's put it away. Well- Okay, I'll leave the plate here. I'll just take one. No, Monty, I said, you've had enough brownies. It's a whole plate here.
1: And it's clear now where this is going. Monty is a kid who doesn't know boundaries at all. He's rude. He's disrespectful. He wants what he wants. If he's told no, he's going to push and bargain and beg and plead and... Just well, and then salad grapes,
0: because when Witt puts his foot down and says, no, you're not taking one more brownies, he says, well, why did you make them if you wouldn't let anybody eat them? And stalks upstairs and slams the like, door.
1: kid, you've had brownies. Yeah. And I wish I could say that this was completely unrealistic, but I'd be a liar. I have come across kids who are like this. Come I've come adults. across adults who are like this. Part of me is like, wow, this is so unrealistic. And then a part of me is like, yeah, no, sometimes people are that snotty.
0: Yeah, it's sad. So this brings up a question. The kinds of things that Monty has been doing are the results of a kid who is snotty out of habit. And while there is a lot of change between six and nine, this kind of trajectory is probably something that Wit would have known about.
1: Yeah, this and shouldn't should
0: have been prepared for.
1: This shouldn't come as an absolute surprise to Wit when his grandson shows up because theoretically he should know something about this kid's upbringing or mm-hmm. lack thereof. Mm-hmm. We do know that there was a recent divorce, so How he's coming this, from a broken home.
0: I wouldn't say that this kind of behavior is because his parents had a divorce.
1: No this is not the actions of a kid undergoing trauma.
0: No, and head. it's hard to I don't know that they talk much about him undergoing any kind of trauma or acting out because of
1: trauma. No, nowhere is that mentioned, which yeah. makes me wonder why you even bring up the divorce in the first place.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of thrown in there at the very end. When yeah. He's talking to his mom, but But
1: it doesn't really It doesn't really anything of the core of this, this story particular
0: point. So, Witt calls after Monty and goes after him, knocks on the door. Monty, what? And then the phone rings and he says, we're going to have a talk about this after I get the phone. He gets the phone.
1: And immediately, Monty turns turns on on some music. music, And we tried really hard to listen and see if there's anything recognizable in the background. It doesn't sound half bad as far as like cheesy 80s rock goes. And we sort of could
0: pick out some words like, now I'm at a crossroads something else about authority or something yeah i was wondering if it was was a real song of
1: some sort but it wasn't anything i could identify or pick out so and not even any phrases that were searchable
0: props to the sound designers for creating something that sounded very distinctly 80s rock but didn't actually say anything
1: yeah i was actually hoping for some kind of like stupid in joke or something like that Mm -hmm. in the lyrics of Mm. the background but no such luck.
0: yeah sadly anyway Wit is on the phone, and he's having a hard time hearing the person on the other end. So he shouts up to Monty, turn that down! And you hear it go down. And marginally. I have expected, marginally. I have expected we were going to have a volume war. It was going to go back up and go back down, but it didn't. And the person on the other end is the Los Angeles airport calling to say that they've not been able to find this coat that Monty had said he lost. And he's like, oh, well, thank you. I didn't know he'd lost a coat.
1: And he lost the coat Co- with $100 yeah, in the pocket, apparently. Yeah, he
0: told that he had $100 in the pocket, and wit's like he said what well okay thank you for your trouble bye and he puts the phone down and i don't think he even goes to the door yet he shouts again monty cut that off and monty turns it off and opens the door and has this put on innocent what's the matter grandpa was it too loud and wit is already lost his temper and he barks at monty i think you know it was too loud
1: And then goes off kind of in this rant about responsibility and you had this money and why did you you have this money? Yeah, did you leave
0: a coat behind? He said, oh, yeah, I left it in the bathroom. It had $100 in it. Yeah. Did they find it? No, that money's going to be long gone by now. Why were you carrying around so much? He's like, well, I was going to be here for eight weeks. I needed the money. And then he says, may I ask where you got it?
1: Which almost sounds like he's implying that.
0: Yeah, like, you shouldn't have had that much. You couldn't possibly have gotten that. And he says, I went to the bank and got it from my savings account. My mom took me. So, he Uh, says something like, that's just as well you don't need to be holding on to that kind of money while you're here with me.
1: Okay, so several things going on here that I need to say. On one hand... Wit is kind of right. That is an awful lot of money for a a nine-year-old kid. At nine years old, a hundred bucks would have been as unimaginable to me as a million dollars it was an unattainable sum of money
0: yeah neither of us would have been able unless we had been saving which possibly he was there's no indication that he was dumped this money all at once it was in his savings account but But the very idea of using that as spending money would never have been so that's an awful lot of money for
1: a kid to have to throw around yeah it's one thing for a kid to be saving up for something specific my brother and I, if we pooled all of our Christmas money, all of our birthday money that we had saved, maybe we could have gotten like an Epic Lego set or something like that. And that I think would be appropriate. But Mm -hmm. to just have that kind of money and just be like, because kids haven't learned the value of money yet. They don't know how to be responsible with it. So in one sense, I understand. In another sense, though, having money maybe they're just wealthy and maybe
0: well and again different styles of parenting here there are parents who have the money and who might give their nine-year-old a hundred dollars to spend on an eight-week vacation that could happen it's
1: not so unreasonable that it would be worth making some kind of morality claim about it i would simply say wow that's a lot of money for a kid to have yeah hope you use it well And maybe give him some some form of guidance with that. Yeah, I can
0: understand. Okay, that's a lot of money, so let's use it sparingly. And trying to instruct him in that.
1: But simply to be mad that he had that money is pointless. Mm -hmm. And
0: And overly harsh, I feel like, at this point. And Wit spends the rest of this scene mad and yelling.
1: Yeah, basically ranting at Monty.
0: Which is not the Mr. Whitaker we know.
1: And this is part of why I say this is an alternate universe, mm-hmm. where Wit is just grumpier. We don't really see Winsome, funny Mr. Whitaker that we know from mm-hmm. all of other Odyssey. And again, I think they're just trying to figure out even what Odyssey is yeah. at this point. He sounds the same. It's Hal Smith doing oh, yeah. the voice work. It
0: is, it is. But it's he acts grumpy the same. Hal Smith.
1: It's kind of like if you watch a TV show you like, and then the writing staff changes or something.
0: And it and, starts going downhill.
1: <laughs> and it starts going downhill, and characters start acting erratically and saying and doing things that they never would have otherwise. Yeah. We saw this happen with The West Wing. It happened with Psych, where characters just start acting bizarrely, and you're like, what is even going on? What am I seeing here? Yeah. That is what this feels like to me.
0: Yeah. So Monty, after all that, says, Are you gonna give me an allowance? Which granted is a highly disrespectful and presumptuous thing to say.
1: Yeah. Um, as soon as he arrives. Keep in mind, this is all the first evening he's here. Just got it in town, and maybe three hours later, they're having this shouting match in well, the hallway.
0: Whit, not Wit Monty isn't shouting. Wit is. Wit is shouting at Monty. Monty is not shouting. Wit is like, All right, this is the first night. You will not speak to me disrespectfully. We're going to talk about this more in the morning, because I said so. You're going to need to learn that there are consequences for disrespect. He closes the door. We hear,
1: whomp. And then he's like, and rule number two, you will not throw things at the door out of displeasure. And then the scene cuts.
0: Yeah. So, wow. That was a thing. And again, we go back to, I would have thought that Wit would have been prepared for this kind of behavior, but he seems caught off guard, and that's why he gets angry? That's the only explanation it, I can think of for why Wit would lose it. I don't when know. He, his expectations, this is not going the way that I thought it was going to go, when he should have been prepared. He should
1: have known that oh. Monty is a hot mess. Yeah. And he should have been, okay, deep breaths, he's yeah. a rough kid,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm going to be working with him this summer.
0: Right. It's not necessarily that Janna, his daughter, has sent him to wit to be worked on he's just spending the summer with grandpa
1: later on i would say that that's actually the opposite that of is the case the of what's of going the case.
0: on but wit should know at this point i'm not going to let him get away with a lot of what he is allowed to get away with at home but recognizing how he is handled at home Being more gracious. Yeah, be more gracious. And, again, this is one of the huge contrasts that we saw with how people handled Dooley in at home in Mitford. Dooley is handled with an infinite amount of graciousness. The adults are firm with him, but But he is given very clear boundaries and treated with love.
1: He's given clear boundaries, but he's also never no one has a harsh word for him yeah when he's being a kid when he's being immature when he's being dumb no one really harasses him about these things
0: yeah and Dooley is a funny kid there's nothing about Monty that is funny or likable or relatable
1: yeah I would say ever in this episode yes ever ever in this story
0: So, moving on, the next day they go to Wits End, and we have a bit of an explanation of why Wits End is called Wits End, because maybe that had not been discussed. He's like, because I run it. Run it. That's why it's called Wits End. Oh, they open the door and Monty says, oh, I remember this place.
1: Which is a little bit of a weird thing to say because obviously he would remember Wits End. It's, it's Grandpa's ice cream shop, right? Yeah, and That's even Grandpa beyond does. Grandpa's ice cream shop, it is the storehouse of wonders for the children. <laughs>
0: Yes, this is true. We don't know whether or not Jana lived in Odyssey. I don't know if the kids have grown up at all around Wits End. The grandkids might not know.
1: But even head. just knowing grandpa runs an ice cream shop would be enough rather yeah. than Where are we? Oh yeah, I kind of remember this.
0: Yeah, that's a bit strange. And then Wit says, I'll give you a tour later, but if you want to go to the movies this afternoon, we need to start here at the storeroom and he opens the door and Monty's like, What? What's going on? And he said, Well you wanted some spending money I'm going to ensure that you get it. Now, the first thing you do is I want you to unfold all of those boxes flat, and then I want you to carefully sweep. And Monty is like, you mean you want me to work?
1: And he's like, well, yeah, of and course. I'll pay you
0: three bucks. If you do a good job. And he's like, three dollars? He said, Monty, this job would pay you 50 cents anywhere else. So
1: Yeah, this is, I'm giving you an opportunity to earn money. So... This is a good thing for yes. Witt to do.
0: Yes. However,
1: I feel like this is a conversation they should have had before even going to the shop. which shows up and is basically, hey, Monty, do this thing, and then I'll give you some money. But it could have just as easily or better been a conversation to have. Hey, I know you would like some spending money. How would you like to work for me and earn some?
0: You can make the argument that economy of storytelling, we need to have it happen at this time. But the scene could have begun with them on their way to Whitsend walking in the door and they're having this conversation. And
1: it's like, hey, I've got work to do. Mm-hmm. If you would like to help out, you can earn some money. Exactly. And you could have then Monty have a choice. He could either be like, gee whiz, Grandpa, that sounds swell. Or he could be like, uh, yeah, no thanks, I'll pass. But either way, it's not the moment of... I'm telling you to do this thing. Yeah,
0: it feels very command, I'm telling you to do this thing. And even...
1: And Monty balks at it.
0: Yeah. Which is
1: not surprising, no. because again, Monty's not an awesome kid. And
0: even from a practical standpoint, Witt is not setting himself up for much success to handle it this way. No. He is, in a way, given a choice, because Monty's like, I don't want to work. And Witt's like, well, nobody's forcing you to do this. You can do it, and you get the $3 or not. And, and he's like, go fine! To- fine! I'll work and then Wood says, I'm gonna be upstairs working on a project. You can call me if you need me, or when you're done on the intercom here and there's a phone on the wall and he shows him what button to push for the intercom. And then he goes upstairs. And Monty's like, I am not going to do this. I can't believe that grandpa would do this, and so th-
1: Which okay. This is the easiest work possible. Yes. Literally flatten some cardboard boxes out and sweep a floor. Mm-hmm. This is not taxing. <laughs>
0: From kids who were doing our own laundry and washing the bathrooms when we were that age? Yeah, this is no not money.
1: taxing chores. <laughs> that was
0: just what we had to do. So this is a wise choice on Witt's part for giving him something that he can accomplish well within his skill set, understanding that probably he has not been made to do any kind of chores at home. Yeah. So, Let's
1: start you off baby steps.
0: Yeah. So that's one good point. Now, Monty picks up the phone, and he says, does this dial out? And he can hear a tone, and so he's okay.
1: So somehow, either he knows his mom's number to reach her at this bank conference she's yeah. at, or she has one of those giant 1980s cell phones.
0: Yeah, because we looked it up. Apparently, mobile phones as a handheld phone came about in 1973. That yeah. was the first handheld mobile phone. And it's talked about later in the episode that she is a bank executive. So it could be that it's a business phone the bank has given her or they have enough money she can purchase one and she needs it for what have you. Anyway.
1: But he calls his mom. He
0: calls his mom. And you don't actually hear his mom's voice on the other end, which is Not even because, in that. Yeah. So he gets her on the phone and immediately starts lying through his teeth. Grandpa is the meanest man ever. He took away all my money, and he's making me work in his store. I can't take it. You need to come get me. And she's like, I can't come get you right now. I am at this seminar. And he's like, what? As soon as you can, come. As soon as you can. And she's like, okay, fine. Hangs up. And then he says, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to work. And he stalks out and around the counter, and he says, all I need to do is figure out how to open the cash register, and I'll show him. Which is a bit strange. Since the reason why he wants the yeah. money is to go to the movies. Yeah. This is not a revenge thing. Yeah,
1: I'll show him by robbing him from the cash register. But anyway, he's fiddling with the cash register, trying to get it open, and Jimmy shows up.
0: This guy, who says he's Jimmy? Hi! Which I thought who, it was, is this who Jimmy Barkley? I'm, <laughs> I'm
1: Jimmy, and I work here. And I'm like, what? No, who don't. are you? No, you don't.
0: Oh, what's going on? Which
1: is, again, why I say this is an alternate universe. This is a universe where coca-cola is this clear lemon lime soda and sprite is this dark
0: syrupy syrupy sassafras based
1: yeah everything is just slightly off wit is a grumpy old man yes he's got a employee a guy named jimmy it. who works at the store instead of connie who
0: is a blockhead yeah. So his first question after introductions are Are you having trouble with the cash register? This is a nine year old kid. Messing with the with cash, the cash
1: register. register. He's never seen him before. It's at the ice cream shop.
0: Even he though doesn't... he knows he's Witt's grandson because apparently Wood has been talking about this, but still.
1: And he's like, oh, let me show you how to open this. Not,
0: what are you doing with the cash register? There's a no question. What are you doing with the cash register? Because Monty says, Grandpa said I could have $5 to go to the movies. Well, if Jimmy has no reason to disbelieve Monty, I can understand, even though this is a bad idea, but I can understand him saying, hang on, I'll get it for you, and just opening the cash register and doing it. But no, he says, you open it here and here, and shows him how to open it. Yeah, he's and I'm giving thinking, him specific you,
1: instructions.
0: You are... Setting them up for Monty to take all of the money later when your back is turned so stupid. Let me teach you how to rob the store. If it's not alternate reality, this is probably why Wit had space available when Connie showed up. Because he fired Jimmy because he (laughs) was such a blackhead.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Interestingly, so this episode was apparently re-recorded later this bit of dialogue maybe with Connie being in this role and then focus on the family lost that episode how you lose the recordings i don't know it was
0: an analog recording so at this point it's not digital where you could have Oh, so
1: maybe yeah so maybe it it just got damaged or something
0: it could have been we misplaced those reels i don't know where they went that kind of thing
1: but anyway it gets lost and then they wind up just keeping jimmy's
0: the original with jimmy in there So anyway, he gives him the money, Monty walks out, and then we have a major time cut.
1: Where Wit has found out what happened.
0: Yes. Wit has found out what happened, and he has spanked Monty. And we know that because... The next scene starts with Wit knocking on the door and coming in and saying... Monty, we need to talk. Yeah, Monty, do you know why I spanked you? And Monty's kind of crying, and he says, you hate me. No, I don't hate you. I spank you because I love you. And he says, nobody ever spanked me before. And they don't tell me what to do either.
1: All right, so there is so much complexity in what's going on here. And so much that we have thoughts on and need to talk about. But let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about Focus on the Family and let's talk about James Dr. Dobson. James Dobson, mm-hmm. who obviously was the head of Focus, He's the on founder, the family. Focus on the Family. And this is kind of his thing. His first book was Dare to Discipline, which he put out in 1970. And the overall premise of Dare to Discipline is hey, parents. It's not going to hurt your child irrevocably if you spank them. Actually, corporal punishment is healthy if it's administered correctly and and patiently and lovingly.
0: Let's give a little history about this, because in the 20s and the 30s, pre-World War II era, lots of the leading pediatric experts were saying that it's going to be emotionally damaging to your child to be what they would call overly affectionate. So some people would say, don't put them on your lap, limit hugs and kissing. If you must kiss them, kiss them on the forehead. Once before they go to bed. Once before they go to bed. Spanking and corporal punishment was highly, highly supported without any kind of limiting factors. Corporal punishment is a good thing, and that's it. And having very structured routines for your child, start them on potty training as soon as they come home from the hospital. Only feed them at these times.
1: Very, very regimented. Very, very harsh. Almost, if you think, yeah. industrial revolution principles applied to family life to, and child yeah. rearing. And which is not great.
0: No. Now, we're making a generalization here. Were all families like that?
1: Probably Obviously not.
0: not. Obviously not.
1: But this was some of the prevailing, the prevailing thought f- as far as what was written in academic circles yes. and stuff like that in the early turn of the century.
0: Yes. And then you had post-war era the rise of Dr. Spock.
1: Not the Vulcan. No, not the Vulcan. The child psychologist.
0: Psychologist who became hugely popular among baby boomer mothers, 40s, Cla- 50s.
1: His classic book what he's most well known for was called The Common Sense Book of Baby and Child Care. Yes. And it came out in 1946.
0: And it was revolutionary in that he, was he supported a- parents Knowing their children and understanding their children and being affectionate and being parents.
1: He was a pediatrician who Mm -hmm. wound up going and getting a doctorate in psychoanalysis.
0: Because he was seeing problems that mothers were encountering in breastfeeding and even toilet training and how you handle your children.
1: And he took a distinctly Freudian approach Mm -hmm. to his practice Mm -hmm. and to the way that he saw children and the way he saw family life and things like that. And Sigmund Freud is a very complicated character in history to me. I think he did a lot of good. I think he also did a lot of harm. If you look at his ideology, and I would say the same thing of Spock following in his footsteps. In one sense, he said, hey, by the way, parents, it's good to love your kids and give them affection and give them hugs. That's healthy and good. And I would absolutely agree with that. Mm -hmm. On another sense, he kind of overemphasized this idea of nurturing as opposed to instructing.
0: Yes, and we did a little more research. We don't have the book itself, so I can't speak to what he actually says. But apparently he did not actually tell people not to spank their children, but he doesn't talk about corporal punishment. He talks about you, a type of punishment and instruction as being a last resort.
1: Yeah, you can kind of extrapolate but from he, his yeah, stuff that... Yeah, he that probably
0: was not a fan.
1: He would have rather been gentler yeah and not necessarily that the child rules the roost in his mind but i'm not sure that he had any clear ideas on what structure and discipline should look like it sounded more child-led than anything else which i would say is the pendulum swinging too far the other way and you can have problems he
0: came under a lot of fire and the book has been revised and revised and revised and revised and he himself has changed ideas
1: you say he has he's dead has been for a long
0: he did change in his ideas i think the last edition before he died was propounding a vegan diet for your baby which take that with a grain of salt veganism (coughs) for your baby is not necessarily a bad thing but But it's also not necessarily
1: a good thing either it's just it is what it is so so his book was very very popular with baby boomers right after world war ii era and with that first generation raised Under his advice was when we saw the protests of the 60s and that culture. And a lot of people blamed... Him, that kind of hippie kind of revolt, all of the nastiness that we saw there, blamed the permissiveness of Spock and of the people who followed his footsteps mm-hmm. and said, we've seen such a rise in counterculture and anti-values because kids were not taught what's what and they were coddled from Given early whatever childhood. They
0: wanted. So, okay. I don't think that we can say definitely he was the cause, but history is so complicated that it is there are not there are multiple so,
1: causes that get dumped together into a melting pot and then we see consequences. Right. And I certainly think that his ideas probably had something to do with some of that.
0: Mm-hmm. So in the wake of that, James Dobson writes his first book.
1: Right in the wake yeah. of all of the nonsense to going on in the sixties
0: nineteen seventy he publishes Dare to Discipline.
1: Which his whole premise of Dare to Discipline is, hey, parents, it's okay to spank your kids. If I had to summarize the book in a nutshell, that's it.
0: He's basically reiterating the idea of Proverbs twenty three thirteen. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with a the rod, they will not die.
1: And I like the sarcasm that comes across in that passage. Hey, your kid's not going to die if you discipline him. Actually, it's healthy for them. Yes. But rather than just the idea of beating your kids with impunity, Dobson is very clear about yes. what he means. In his book, Dare to Discipline, He lays down a lot of specifics, but let me read you just this little passage that kind of summarizes his ideas in a nutshell. Lest I be misunderstood, I shall emphasize my message by stating its opposite. I am not recommending that your home be harsh and oppressive. I am not suggesting that you give your children a spanking every morning with their ham and eggs, or that you make your boys sit in the living room with their hands folded and their legs crossed. I am not proposing that you try to make adults out of your kids so you can impress your adult friends with your parental skill, or that you punish your children whimsically, swinging and screaming when they didn't know they were wrong. I am not suggesting that you insulate your dignity and authority by being cold and unapproachable. These parental tactics do not produce healthy, responsible children. By contrast, I am recommending a simple principle. When you are defiantly challenged, win decisively. When the child asks who's in charge, tell him. When he mutters who loves me, take him in your arms and surround him with affection. Treat him with respect and dignity and expect the same from him. Then begin to enjoy the sweet benefits of competent parenthood. A quick note here is that we do not pretend for a moment to be parenting experts. We are and this re- is
0: not a parenting podcast.
1: No. All opinions expressed here are for, for entertainment, entertainment purposes, purposes. only. But that said, we have read Dare to Discipline.
0: You've read it all the way through.
1: Mm -hmm. and there's another book that we actually appreciate even more it's called shepherding a child's heart by paul tripp anyone who is a young parent or expecting kids i would really really recommend especially if you're a believer Mm -hmm. if you believe in christ and you want to raise your kids to follow in the faith you can do much worse than reading shepherding a child's heart there's some really good principles there that said This is kind of a bit of a hobby horse for
0: Dobson. Well, you say hobby horse. Hobby horse sounds negative. This is part of Dobson's specialty. That's what he studied. He is very prepared and equipped to speak with authority on the subject, and that is a good thing, and that is part of the reason why Focus on the Family was created, to give biblical counsel about the family. Those are all very good things. And our families have received a lot of benefit from Focus on the Family and from Dobson's work, and we appreciate his work, and we're not dissing it at all. And we would say, if you are a young parent, Dare to Discipline is also very good. I think it's more practical than Shepherding a Child's Heart. Shepherding a Child's Heart gives you really good principles of why are you disciplining your child? (laughs) What are you trying to accomplish when you are raising your child? Yeah. More than just outward conformity, you are concerned with their heart and their soul. So... Those are all great things, but those are not necessarily the subjects of an Adventures in Odyssey episode.
1: No, and they are really heavily handed in this story, in part one and part two. This Mm -hmm. is a major theme of this, and the only reason I can think that it is, is because this is a focus on the family production, this is kind of Dr. Dobson's thing. Is this a story point that's going to appeal to kids listening to the show? No. Absolutely not. Well, this is a message for parents. And
0: another reason why it was probably originally a Family Portraits episode, because Family Portraits was geared toward the whole family, and Adventures in Odyssey was specifically made for kids.
1: So, all of that is background. We yeah. can get back to the story now, because Wit is coming in and kind of explaining a rationale for spanking to Marty Monty Monty I keep saying Maury Marty
0: Monty a couple notes just before we get into his explanation of the way that all this played out for me if they are actually going to have wit spank Monty it felt a bit cowardly to just not have the spanking to suddenly be like oh wait he spanked him
1: yeah and have the conversation afterwards. afterwards
0: just if you're gonna have it happen own it
1: I would also say that if they're having the conversation for the rationale and stuff
0: after the fact... Especially with a kid as old as Monty. He's nine.
1: So I'm wondering if Witt slung him over his knee... And
0: spanked and him. Walloped and
1: walloped him. And then, then
0: sent him to his room. And, and then, then came back? And then felt like having this conversation? That seems really
1: unhealthy. And probably not what Dobson well, would Dobson, have had in mind. Dobson
0: talks about treat them with dignity that's not treating your nine-year-old with dignity treating your nine-year-old with dignity would be sitting down and explaining the consequences i told you there would be consequences for your actions i need to spank you well and even
1: setting up the if this happens then you will get a spanking he knows there's going to be consequences
0: he's not even given him specifics about what will happen
1: you need to lay the parameters out in order for corporal punishment or really any punishment to have any good effects i would say it has to be built on a system of trust Mm -hmm. if you have not put in the legwork to build trust with a kid to show that you're concerned about the things that they're concerned about that you're concerned for their well-being for them to be absolutely convinced that you are concerned for their well-being then punishment is just going to feel punitive and it's Mm -hmm. going to not be healthy. It's It's not going to be,
0: as Monty said, because you hate me. Or you got mad at me and we're lashing out. The swinging and yelling.
1: So Wit really should have had this conversation beforehand.
0: If he was going to spank. Now, Wit is grandpa. He is babysitting Monty. There is no indication. In fact, actually, they spell it out later that he did not call his daughter, Jana, and ask, About this.
1: Well, also, he has no real relationship with Monty. He He hasn't seen him him in three three years. years. He
0: has no relationship like that with Monty. Also, this is a very personal, dare I say, intimate form of discipline. And it's something that I would say may only be for the parents to administer unless the parents give that authority to other members of the family. And Wit has not asked
1: that. It is not a form of authority that I would take even with my siblings kids or anything yeah. like that ever i can't imagine
0: it doing that it's both disrespectful to our siblings <laughs> and to and the kids to the kids because we're not their parents we don't have the same relationship or the same trust with our nieces and nephews as their parents do to the extent of spanking so those are issues that we had with just the scenario in general
1: with the way that this shows up and the way right. it handles it
0: right Now, he sits down with Monty and tells him a story about a little boy who got a puppy for his birthday and a leash. And his parents said, you need to keep this puppy on the leash so he stays safe because he doesn't know where he is supposed to go and where he is not. And there's also no discussion about him training the puppy. No. But So he takes him to the park.
1: And he's got to keep the puppy on the leash, but right. he doesn't. He's like, oh, the puppy, the puppy wants, wants to run free and the
0: leash may be hurting his neck. And so he lets him off the leash and the puppy runs out in the street and gets hit by a car and dies.
1: And the leash is really intended as a way to protect the puppy. Mm-hmm. And in a similar way, parents have rules and they are in place to protect a kid. Which is All well and good. good. This and is he's a saying pretty it gives fair me no metaphor. pleasure to
0: do this. God has rules in place for how we live and how we conduct ourselves. And this is part of me teaching you how God wants us to
1: this is, live. This is almost word for word a metaphor that Dobson uses really? in Dare to Discipline. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'll read this little passage here. This is a conversation you could have with your kid, which Wit is having with okay. Monty. yes. I knew of a little bird who was in his nest with his mommy. The mommy bird went off to find some worms to eat, and she told the little bird not to get out of the nest while she was gone. But the little bird didn't mind her. He jumped out of the nest and fell to the ground where a big cat got him. When I tell you to mind me, it is because I know what is best for you, just as the mommy bird did with her baby bird. And it goes on to more specific things. But this is the basic kind of horror movie morality. morality Do the right thing or very bad things will will happen to you.
0: Okay. Again, who is going to appreciate this? Who is going to understand this? Adults more than children. Then after he tells that story to Monty and he's like, do you understand? And Monty's like, I think so. And then he says, I will spank you to help you learn. I will spank spank you you as as... hard and as often as it takes. But if you learn to trust me, we can have a lot of fun this summer.
1: The beatings will continue until Until morale morale improves. improves.
0: That's what it sounds like. Now, I know the intention behind that piece of dialogue was not abusive, but it sounds like the beatings will continue until morale
1: improves yeah it did not sit well with me and it's funny because we're coming at this at a point where we agree with the premise absolutely oh yeah but the way it's handled in the story just felt icky to me i'm not comfortable with it no
0: and then we have a time cut where it's the end of the baseball season and the Coyotes are having a party to celebrate. They've won the championship or something. And they're and having the party the at cake... Witt's house. No, oh, this is the only attempt at humor. The cake slipped over in the car because Tom didn't realize that he had turned it upside down.
1: Yeah, and so Wit's trying, so trying to, like re- to the rewrite icing. the icing on it. But interesting note is that the party is taking place at Witt's house, not at Wits end, yeah. which in any other Odyssey episode, if Witt's you're end. having a mass gathering of any kind, Wits end is the place to have it.
0: Now, is that for plot purposes because of what happens next? Or just,
1: I think it's simply an oversight. I think right. they hadn't even thought about wit's end being what it is mm-hmm. to the odyssey community.
0: Yeah. And so wit is like, it's going to be what it is. I can't do magic. And Tom's like, Oh, you can't do magic. Look what you did with Monty. You turned him from a, I don't even remember what he said. Some selfish, Ornally ordinary kid <laughs> into a right, nice young man. And wit says he was already a right, nice young man. He just needed some boundaries or something like that.
1: We never saw him, as a, never nice saw him as a
0: nice young man. Again, contrast with Dooley from At Home in Mitford,
1: who is a nice kid, kid. rough around the edges, rough as can be, but a nice kid from the very start.
0: And you like him. He is likable. Monty was not likable.
1: It really is like magic. You have this kid who is a rotten brat, spank him, and a week later, he's a saint. And I'm sorry, it just doesn't work that way.
0: And it's more than just him playing the game. At the end of this episode, we were wondering, okay, has Monty actually changed? Or has he just learned the rules? Because you can have a kid following the rules, and in his heart, he hasn't changed at all. Yeah. And that is often a result of discipline that is not touching the child's heart. Yeah. It feels unrealistic that this drastic of a change...
1: Could take place in a week.
0: Yes. The reason, though, as we find at the end of the episode, is for plot purposes, that change needs to happen because his mom shows up.
1: And that's the end of the episode. That's the very last thing. And he opens the door and he's like, Mom? And that's kind of it. Mm -hmm. And the episode comes to an end. And since this is a two-parter, we'll break for commercials here. And we'll be back with part two after this word. And we're back.
0: So, also note, Monty has joined the Coyotes. Suddenly, he is a, quote, right nice young man and and a good baseball player player, because he decided to go play baseball.
1: And they won the championship. And they won
0: the championship. It's a subtle push, again, to the this is what good American boys do.
1: They play baseball.
0: Yes. So they're having a party. Everything's going well. And then somebody knocks on the door and Monty opens the door and it's his mom.
1: Jana has showed up without any prior word to wit. Yeah. She's just there.
0: Several things that become very clear very quickly. One, obviously, it's been a week. She shows up because the seminar is over, as they had talked about earlier in the previous episode, and she was going to come get him. And he has not told Wit about that phone call.
1: There's been, There's been a lack of communication all around.
0: Huge lack of communication.
1: She never called her dad to say, dad. hey, what's going on She never called her son. With...
0: There's been no call during the week of, okay, Monty, when I come to get you on this day, make sure blah, 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 blah. Or, hi, Monty, how are you?
1: Yeah, it makes sense that if he is away—it's one thing if she's really busy. I wouldn't say that necessarily she needs to be calling every night, although that might be realistic— but certainly, maybe every other night or something, just to check in and be like, Hey, how's Grandpa? You having a good time? What are
0: you doing? Here's a thought, though. We live in the age where calls are free, and Zoom call is a very easy yeah. thing. Okay, but
1: so she could have gone to a pay phone. She could have gone to a pay spent phone. Spent a couple quarters. She's she in a has hotel.
0: her own phone. We've already She's established. She's in a hotel.
1: She probably has a hotel room phone. Mm-hmm. It's unrealistic to think she couldn't have called Monty.
0: Yeah, maybe not every night, but yes, she could, and you would think that a normal mother would, even if the mother is rather permissive. She's going to call Monty. She's going to call and talk to Wit. She
1: obviously does love her kid, as per the conversations that take place later in this episode. Even
0: at the beginning of the previous episode, when he calls her, and she's like, I'm going to come get you in a week she didn't love her kid, would she actually
1: yeah, come it, get him? Yeah, this isn't she's just dumped him on grandpa for also, no good that reason. Grandpa
0: has not called her. Even if you had a mother who is too busy or what have you and doesn't call her son, odds are Wit has the numbers to reach her in case there's some massive emergency or what have you. And knowing Wit, he's the sort of person who would be like, Let's talk to your mom. You need to talk to your mom. You need to maintain this connection. And what? he should have called her. Well and when he no- speaks spanked
1: Monk. oh absolutely that conversation should have happened before like, he spanked mom yeah which we before and or after either way it should be like hey by the way this thing happened yes you need to be well aware of what's going on
0: exactly but that's
1: again right. you say what we know about wit that's what we know about normal wit and again this is not Th- this is underdeveloped wit mm-hmm. it's interesting though because there's an interview with paul mccusker where he's discussing the writers early trying to figure out who wit is mm-hmm. and the question they were trying to answer is is wit perfect which it's easy to fall into the trap of wit being perfect and they made a distinct choice mm-hmm. with the character to say Nope, Wit is not perfect. He has failings. And we'll get to what those failings are later because it has specific bearing on this episode. And as a writer, I respect that. Mm -hmm. I respect that they're trying to make him a well-rounded character. But I don't know. You can have good characters with failings, but there's certain failings and certain ways that characters fail that almost feel cynical. And the way this plays out feels almost cynical because it's a complete flip-flop on what wit is about as a character
0: on the one hand doesn't feel entirely unrealistic and we'll get to this in more detail i guess i don't think that they should have addressed wit's faults in that area and the discipline simultaneously episode
1: it becomes too much
0: it's too much to deal with and sort of contradict each other
1: yeah we'll talk about that later
0: So Jana says, okay, Monty, get your things. We need to go. We have a long drive. And he's like, mom, I don't want to go. And she's like, what about grandpa is the meanest person ever? And he took all my money and he's making me work. And he's like, oh, well, I just said those things because I was mad, which she actually believed him. Even parents who are too lenient with their children know them well enough to know when they would lie.
1: Usually. Usually. I've run into the parents before who are like, oh, no, not my child, when they hear about something their kid had done. But I've also run into many more parents. The more common response is, I'm sorry, I just don't know what to do with him. And that's a depressing statement. That's a parent kind of sounding like they've been defeated and also making excuses at the same time.
0: I feel also like she should know her dad well enough to know dad doesn't operate like that. Yeah. So what's going on here? Don't put up with no go And instead of even saying, can I talk to grandpa? She says, I'm going to come get you. And she says to Monty when she's at the door, I traveled over 200 miles out of my way to come get you. We're going now. Go get your stuff. And he's like, no, I want to stay with grandpa. Grandpa loves me. I love you. Yeah, but grandpa loves me more.
1: Which is so unearned and ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I mean, the only explanation I can figure for him saying that is the Grandpa loves me more because he disciplines me and you don't.
1: Yeah, as if Wit would have had that conversation. This or is as, a way that I show you I love understand. you. Or...
0: or as if Monty would understand yet. He's nine. At any rate, she's very hurt by, hurt this. by that. Which and... it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And she says, I think you need to go tell Grandpa that I'm here. He goes into the kitchen where Whit is and he says, I think you need to spank me again Which that feels very abusive.
1: Abusive is I think the best word. This is not a normal statement for a kid kid to make. What is even going on here?
0: And it's not even a very young child processing through things. This is a kid who's
1: nine years old.
0: Yeah. Doesn't feel right. And Wit's like, why? Witt has the
1: good sense to be a I'm little like, bit like, oh. Uh.
0: He says, my mom's here. And then he explains about the phone call. And Witt's like, oh. And goes out to see Jana. And he says, Jana, what are you doing here? And she said... What have you done to my son? And starts crying.
1: And this is, mind you, in the room <laughs> with, with a bunch
0: of nine year old baseball players adding <laughs> cake.
1: And Tom Riley. And Tom and, Riley. And everyone's there and she's having this meltdown. And
0: instead of saying, Okay, we're going outside or hold that thought, we're gonna go down to the den Well, they
1: do wind up stepping out.
0: Yeah, but he starts the conversation by what what do you mean what have I done to your son? And she says, well, you just told me that you love him more, and you took away his money, and you made him work. And speculation, maybe, he's going in there expecting he's going to have a normal conversation with Janna, and she's just melting down. And, and this is extremely
1: surreal. And the more she talks, surreal. the more that
0: he's like, we cannot talk here. So he says, let's go into the den, and I will tell you, quote, all the dark details. So then we have a time cut. And, and we
1: assume that he's told her everything that's right. taken he, place he in he the past. He conned
0: Jimmy into opening the cash register, which is actually false.
1: He didn't con at all. He just said, hey, can you open this can for you me? Open and Jimmy's this for like,
0: doop da doo. Sure. Yeah. Okay. She says, I can't believe he would do something like that. Which, again, she must be one of the rare parents.
1: Who doesn't that know her kid? Doesn't
0: know her kid. My little angel. I don't remember exactly what he said. I can't remember. And she's thing. like, "What did you do? Well, what did you think I did? You, you hit my son.
1: And he's you like, know "I know
0: what I feel about that."
1: Whoa, whoa, hold it! I didn't hit him. I, I spanked, spanked him, him, which is definitely a distinction yes. that is worth making. I would certainly say that to haul off and slap your kid across the face or something like that, I would go so far as to say that's never appropriate. There is a specific, and this comes with lots of love, lots of conversation. There is a way to administer corporal punishment that spares the kid's dignity, Mm -hmm. that allows him to process information, to understand what's going on. There's a big difference between hitting a child.
0: Well and And, this is something Dobson goes into more detail about in his book. So again, we're having textbook example of how this plays out.
1: Yeah. And again, this is is not not something that is interesting for kids. That is more a message for, hey parents, here's how you can discipline your child.
0: Right. And this also brings up something. So she says, you know how I feel about that, and he said, You and your brothers turned out fine. And he's now mad. That was a trigger thing. And he says, don't you see? He was testing the limits. Testing who was in charge, and I made sure his question was answered. And that was your answer? And he grits his teeth and says, yes, it was yeah and just
1: the way he says it the venom and i've mentioned before with earlier episode where wit is yelling at connie about something and i say Wit's getting salty here this is not salty wit this is bitter angry
0: wit with his daughter
1: yeah and this is not a wit that we see in odyssey yeah i can't think of any other time when he comes across just so vitriolic yeah nasty It's a my way or the highway highway
0: kind of thing with no respect for Jana. Jana is also an adult and her saying, you know how I feel about that drives a further nail in the coffin because we have said this. He should have called her. He didn't need to call her to know what her opinion would have been about him spanking Monty. And he spanked him anyway, even though he is not monty's parent yeah so he's
1: grandpa he has a degree of authority i wouldn't have any problem with your parents or my parents spanking my son
0: but we have established that
1: but we, we've established that with them this is a conversation that we have had we know how we grew up we know how our parents raised us and
0: I, we, know, we have intentionally told them we are giving this authority to
1: yeah you. and this is conversation my parents have a relationship with david Your parents have a relationship with David. There is a lot of background here. But that is clearly not the case here. And I would go so far as to say Witt has acted completely out of line. And rather than acknowledging that and apologizing, he doubles down and Mm -hmm. digs his heels in and grits his teeth and says, yes, I was right.
0: And even saying you and your brothers turned out fine. That to me begs the question, what is your definition of fine? Obviously, based on this blow up that happened so quickly. He and his daughter do not have a great relationship. He doesn't agree with a lot of what his daughter is doing. His daughter has had a divorce. Her kids are undisciplined. At least Monty is. Where does your definition of fine go?
1: Yeah, what is even mean? She's not in prison,
0: but she's not necessarily following in your footsteps or
1: in godly, or footsteps, in godly or, footsteps or any of that.
0: So what do you even mean by you and your brothers turned out fuck?
1: We made the statement that we are not parenting experts uh, yes. or anything like uh. that. We have one child. We are learning as we go. He's as two. I will be the first to say, I don't think there is one specific way to raise or to no. discipline your kids. You may hear all of this and may be like, wow, spanking is not for me and my family and you know what as long as you have some form of discipline in place and you are consistent and loving and talking through things with your kid as a parent that is your prerogative mm-hmm. i would not say you must follow x methodology and different of... families look different
0: mm-hmm. and some of the difficulty with the way that wit is reacting is that it feels so prescriptive
1: yeah this is the one way to lovingly raise a child and I just don't feel like that's the case.
0: Right. You're talking about him doubling down. He goes further and says he needed discipline and what you're doing wasn't working. So she immediately gets defensive, which is not the best way to handle this, but a very natural response, especially given what Monty said. Now I am an unfit mother. He says, I didn't say that, but in effect he did.
1: Yeah, essentially he did. By the way, your parenting sucks and your kid is rotten. All I could hear is, what do you enjoy story? If the boot? Fits.
0: so he tries to backtrack i'm sorry i should have chosen my words more carefully and she's like no no it's too late for that now we're gonna go monty can stay here the night. i'll pick him up in the morning and he's where are you going oh, i'll find a hotel this is your house janna you can stay here too and she's just no dad it's not anymore it's your house
1: so we have a relationship that is broken to the point that she's not even comfortable being under the same roof as her dad. And she says, tell Monty I said goodnight. She won't go and say goodnight and tell her son what's going on. That just feels petty and weird.
0: It left us feeling weird and icky.
1: Yeah. <laughs> There's just so much brokenness and dysfunction all they're go- they're around here. They're going to a here. point in
0: this episode where I just stopped writing notes because I don't know what to say. There is so much so many and problems
1: this, this isn't sloppy storytelling no. like we've seen in some things the but story follows kind of specific beats and mm-hmm. stuff like that
0: i just it's not even the same problems that we had with for example day after christmas mm-hmm. it's it all comes
1: across as more preachy than odyssey usually is mm-hmm. and more grumpy than odyssey usually is and everyone is broken and you, everyone you is sad you used the
0: term cynical earlier to talk about Wit's problem. Wit's dysfunction with his daughter is something that was a very deliberate choice. Mm-hmm. As this is a fault with Wit, he's so concerned with other people's families and actually let's get into his conversations with tom because that brings that to a head
1: and actually it was the only part out of this whole two-parter we like, yes! that i liked <laughs> yeah. after the party after this blow up with Jana, tom is hanging out with wit and they're just being old men and being buddies and we hear them washing dishes and tom's like okay bro he doesn't say bro
0: what's eating at you but after your
1: argument yeah let's get personal here mm-hmm. and it's clear that they have this relationship they can get in each other's space a little bit and that's healthy and that's good
0: yeah and we need thank like goodness
1: that. for tom
0: oh yeah and Witz like, I don't know what's wrong with Jana. She seems to have this deep resentment of me, deep anger, which was very clear just listening to how they interacted. And he says, she knows how to get to me. And, pushes and, and my well, butt.
1: Tom's like, she's the one with anger issues? And Whit's like, like yeah. yes! I'm and me too and wit is forced to admit this about himself so what's going on with wit and wit's character flaws this is a matter of the cobbler's children get no shoes
0: and tom kind of points that out to him
1: yeah wit has sp- Spent so much of his life pouring into other people, and we see it day by day in wit's end with the way he deals with Connie, the way he deals with kids, the way he deals Mm -hmm. with literally everyone in the community, but then when we look a little bit at his family life, there is just a lot of brokenness Mm -hmm. and dysfunction, and I used the word cynical before, and I think that is kind of a cynical storytelling thing. It's not
0: entirely unrealistic. I mean, we've known enough teachers' kids, enough pastors' kids to know that this can uh, not Enough
1: missionary kids.
0: Oh, my. I'm an M case. I've seen this so many
1: times. Yeah, so this certainly happens. But, wow, what a depressing... Choice of flaw. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the way the story falls out is it all just feels very cynical and depressing.
1: There's no comedy to leaven it.
0: No. Leavening is a really good illustration. There's no leavening of lightheartedness, of gentleness. We go from one serious, heavy scene to another, one argument to another, and it's really, really... (laughs) It's
1: kind of oppressive to listen to. Yes.
0: Especially their choice of story. Now, I understand if they're wanting to have an illustration of this is prescriptively the right way to parent. And this is what happens when you clash that with the, quote, wrong way to parent. And the ideas they're trying to aren't. we have said before, not bad. It's just... They've undercut their ethos by having Wit be the one who's the good parent when he's not even Monty's parent. And then, then it's clearer that he's
1: not really been a great parent to, to Janna.
0: And that undercuts his authority as knowing well how to parent.
1: Yeah. So, the whole thing becomes a little bit muddled.
0: Yeah. So Tom and Wit kind of talk through some of this, particularly as it pertains to Jana, And Tom is very... Gracious, but pokes the bear and, and talks
1: and common sense
0: common sense into it. And don't give up on Jana yet, because Wit is having this. I have no idea what's wrong. I have no idea how to fix it. If I knew, I would say something. I don't know what to say. And we always end up just fighting. So Tom essentially says, "Well, you know all that great advice that you give to so many other people. Why don't you take some of that yourself and try again?" So the next day, Jana comes to pick up Monty, and Wit says, "Okay, can we talk?" And she doesn't want to talk.
1: Yeah, she's like, you've had your chances to talk so many times, and we always just fight. And basically, it comes across that she's exhausted.
0: Yeah. And, and tired like, of arguing t- with I her don't, dad. What do you mean? And finally, he gets it out of her. She's like, I'm tired of you passing judgment upon me. You have criticized my hobbies. My work, my marriage. Oh, let's not forget my marriage. You had plenty to say about that. And now you're mad at me because I got a divorce. And now we're talking about my son. My son. Let's keep that record straight, shall we? Which she raises some legitimate points. She does come across whiny, but she raises legitimate points this is my son, and you didn't like my marriage, but now you're mad at me for the divorce. There's an underlying, what do you want from me? Rather than supporting her, because now she's a single mom working, Witt says, well, if you didn't trust Monty with me, and I think that's when he says, he was in my house under my roof, and if you didn't trust him with me, maybe you should have kept him with you instead of going to that seminar. Well, maybe she needed to go to that seminar yeah Maybe yeah this that is was for her, for her job there's no kind of support for janet granted we're not given details about why they divorced and
1: support does not mean a blanket Appro- yeah. approval for everything it does, it that does someone it. does it can simply be hey i'm here when you need me yeah. you're still my daughter and mom's yeah. my grandson and all of that she mentions a daughter that she has jennifer yeah who gets barely mentioned i would assume that wit has no relationship with her either
0: so him saying i haven't seen my grandson in three years did he call them and the way that they have operated until this point neither of them are talking with each other either so wit is not blameless in this and that's frustrating she finally, after all of that, because it doesn't go anywhere, he makes that accusation. She's like, oh, well, of course, heaven forbid that the great John Every Whitaker should be at fault at all. You just shift the blame back on me. I'm going upstairs and I'm going to get Monty. Well, Monty's not upstairs.
1: He has run away. Run away. which honestly i called before it happened just for the pacing of the episode i was like there's going to be some kind of crisis to bring these two together and it's going to center on monty and sure enough they go upstairs and he's gone Mm -hmm.
0: dun 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 so they immediately call the police
1: and it's not officer harley unfortunately it's not
0: officer harley do they call the police or do they go into the police station? I think they go into the police station. He's like, Oh, yeah, we were just about to call you because somebody broke into its tent. And I picked up the kid who was breaking in. And they're like, Oh, is that Monty? Yeah.
1: Yeah, he claims to be your, <laughs> he grandson. To be your grandson. He is. He is.
0: Oh, okay. Are you pressing charges? No. Okay.
1: Wit's Whit. words were not the kind you need you to be need to concerned be about, <laughs> and the officer gives him this kind of I see just what you did ask. there joke.
0: Just had to ask. So they take him home, and Wit says something like, "We're gonna have a conversation about this later. You can go up to your room though first. And he says, "Mom, go just go to your room, Monty." So he goes upstairs. And
1: then you have a long conversation between
0: Wit and No, not yet, because okay. she says Monty never did this kind of thing before he came to you. I don't know what you've been doing to him. Okay. And he's like, "Well, let me go up and talk to him." No, no, you've done enough. I'm going up and talking to him. He also mentions this is a cry for help if you just sit down and talk to him and listen. I would say that everything, everything Monty, that Monty has, has done doing. from
1: the beginning is a cry for help.
0: And only now is Wit saying, "Just sit down and listen to him." I mean, you've not been doing that with You've not been trying to understand Monty. Now, there is a time and place for setting up boundaries. These are your boundaries and you go no further. But there's also a time and place to, to really listen to on? a
1: kid. And you need to be able to balance both. You need to have authority and you need to have respect as well and listen to the child. And honestly, both go hand in hand. And the straight up authoritarian approach, I think, is a recipe for Rebellion.
0: And again, he's saying, we need to listen to Monty, and he's not listening to his daughter. No. She goes upstairs, and she's like, okay, you want to tell me what this is all about? No, not really. No, Monty, come on. I thought we were friends, aren't we? Which is a cringy
1: statement, and it's an intentional statement, I feel, because, again, with dobson's whole thesis would be no you're not to be your kid's friend you're Mm -hmm. to be your kid's parent and that's a very different role so for the mom to be like come on i thought we were friends is intentionally painting her as this milk toasty
0: yeah and at the same time she's saying something must have set you off for you to go destroy personal property you and grandpa were fighting okay and he said, you fought with Dad and made him move out.
1: And you're just trying to get rid of Grandpa because I like him. Maybe if I acted like I liked your boyfriends, they'd, rid of them they'd go away, too. And this is like whoa 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 oh uh, let's yeah, back what's up going
0: on here and this is the first time that anything about the divorce and all of that has been brought up which feels a bit it's shoehorned, shoe-horned in. in yeah because none of that has been addressed before and she's like monty that's not true and before she can say any more we hear wit say monty that's absolutely not true your mom didn't send your dad away Wit just sort of parachutes in And hijacks the conversation.
1: And saves the day. And
0: saves the day when he was told specifically...
1: Stay downstairs, let me 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 talk with my kid. So So
0: it undercuts everything he says, which the actual content of what he says is good. Your mom loves you more than anything else. She wants what's best for you. She didn't send your dad away. It's a complicated issue. He left. He left. (laughs) And, of course, we're going to see each other again. So everything is reconciled. Monty takes his suitcases downstairs, because Wiz says, why don't you go take your suitcases downstairs? We'll be down in a second. And Jana says, thanks, Dad.
1: Yeah, after this whole diving in, yeah. when he's been asked to stay out, she is left with, you were right, I was less I was Right. right.
0: Essentially. And he even lampshades, What do you mean? I did just meddle again, which is true, but the way that it's structured
1: like he's elbowing well, her, um, hey. hey, hey. You know, I
0: just did meddle again, and she says, No, thanks for what you said. So it doesn't matter that he disrespected her wishes. Yeah. As,
1: in front of her son. In sign. front of her son. Just undercut her, which is yeah. not awesome.
0: And then they have a conversation, which actually ends up being a good conversation. He says, I want to tell you a story. And she's like, Oh, is this one of those great wit stories? Not really.
1: Even just that statement makes me think that he has a reputation. This is something she's experienced all her life. People probably saying, Oh, your dad is so wise. Mm-hmm. He has so many good things to say. And she's like, Yeah, that's my pops.
0: Yep. Wish you would pass those down to us.
1: Yeah. Or maybe he has a reputation within the family for mm-hmm. telling these kind great morals sp- parables to his mm-hmm. children to the point that they're like feels rather like Polonius.
0: Them. He says, well, not necessarily. And this is when we get more backstory about Wit's kids. So Wit had three kids, Jerry, Jana, Jason.
1: Jerry died in Jerry Vietnam. died in Vietnam.
0: And after Jerry died, we all had different ways of coping with our grief. You went and joined lots of war protest movements as much as you could for 14. So she was 14 when that happened. And your mom went into a lot of volunteer work. And I didn't really have anything that I could sink myself into to cope. And And he
1: kind of closed himself off.
0: Well, except to Jason, because Jason was coming near draft age. And Wit was so scared of losing Jason the way he lost Jerry that he just devoted all of his time to... Jason, and sort of forgot about Jana.
1: Which is so sad. Yeah. It's interesting, though, because... As much as I want to say this is not my canon, there is a degree to which this stuff does come back up it comes, in yeah. later Odyssey.
0: It does much with, later, especially with Jason's Jason,
1: Jason as an adult.
0: But we see when, Monty and Janna later too. Yeah, but Jason,
1: Odyssey. of course, becomes a major player he in becomes Odyssey a new much, hip much later. Mr. Whitaker. Yeah, much, um, much later in the series.
0: And it's interesting because contrasting the relationship that Wit has with Janna and the relationship that Jason has with Wit, Jason and Wit are almost carbon copies of one another. Almost. Yeah, not They're quite. very close, though.
1: But very philosophically similar.
0: Yes. And with this bit of information, you can kind of understand that because he's still in a very formative stage of life. Janna is definitely in a very formative stage of life when all this happens. And so for Wit to pour himself into Jason must have been extremely formative for Jason and shaped him very much into who he is now and why he is very similar to Wit and why Janna is starved
1: and she feels shunted and aside. feels
0: shunted aside
1: to the point that at the end of this conversation this is actually a really healing conversation mm-hmm. for them because they're clear in the air it has a chance to apologize mm-hmm. and they duh. say well, we
0: need to start over let's get to know each other again
1: right and Jana has this heartbreaking statement and you got to do one thing for me and that's give me a hug and you haven't given me a real hug since jerry died
0: mm-hmm.
1: you have this big bear hug reconciliation <laughs> yeah. moment
0: and then Monty comes back upstairs and he's like, are we all
1: okay now? Come here, you, Come here, you. big group pug." And he's okay with that. And he's like,
0: hooray. I think he says something like, do I get to spend the rest of my vacation with grandpa? And she's like, I don't know about that. You're going to be too busy working to pay off the plate glass that you broke. And then you're going to be on restriction for the rest of the time. So the idea is he's still staying with grandpa, but he's going to need to be working, which wink, wink, it might not be so hard as you might think.
1: It might not be so bad. You're going right. to be working around wit's end. yeah. And, and then and she talks
0: about, I have some vacation time coming up. Maybe we can have part of the vacation in Odyssey.
1: Yeah, with me and your sister and you, and we can come back. And it's implied that there's reconciliation. But it's interesting that she notes, you're going to be on restriction. Clearly, there is some precedent for some form of discipline. Yeah, she wouldn't uh, have her. just,
0: in the last... 12 hours, suddenly uh, come up with... You know, what
1: grounding looks like. Now, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that she has, in the past, administered it consistently Mm -hmm. or well. But again, we don't see enough of her parenting to really critique what's going on. All we see is
0: wit. Mm -hmm. And her in contrast to wit and what she does in the 24 hours that she's in Odyssey. And then that's the end. That's the whole episode. Chris doesn't have a whole ton to say
1: No, she shows up at the end, and, and since this was originally a family portrait episode, I feel like the little Chris tags at the end of the episodes were added after because this is now Adventures in Odyssey. Yeah. And Chris makes a statement that the most important thing about dealing with pain is to forgive people who have hurt us and to ask for forgiveness for from her, others. Yeah. And that's a really good note to end mm-hmm. on, honestly.
0: Yeah, and kind of summarizes, I guess, what the second episode of this two-parter is largely dealing with.
1: Yeah, the they touch
0: on pain. the spanking
1: okay. thing, and I still think that's kind of the
0: thesis of overall
1: the thesis mm-hmm. of this which becomes muddled with all of the family drama stuff
0: it does i think a stronger story might have been to handle the family drama and emotional baggage especially in light of the divorce if that had been the springboard and monty was dealing with stuff like that and they had focused more on that and some discipline stuff can come through through, and I'm speaking about this as a Adventures and Odyssey episode rather than a teaching fam- tool. A teaching tool, because the spanking feels like a teaching tool for adults that they've for shoved parents. into. Yeah, for parents that they've shoved into Adventures and in Odyssey, and it didn't work very well. I didn't think.
1: No, At least the way either. that they handled it.
0: That's not to say a radio drama illustrating this would not have been a problem. It's just we've oh. talked about the issues of why that didn't work in this case.
1: Yeah, I didn't like this episode much. I don't hate it the way that I did some of them. But it's just joyless.
0: Yes, exactly. And Odyssey is at its best when it is joyful.
1: You can deal with serious and difficult Mm -hmm. subject matter in a way that doesn't feel joyless.
0: And cynical. Yeah. And this one did. The dysfunction, that felt cynical as well. So, yeah. Sorry guys, this one is a downer. And Uh, probably longer than the rest of our episodes.
1: Yeah, hopefully next one is going to be more fun. We're actually coming near the end of...
0: Album one. Yeah. Season one we thank you guys for sticking with us. It's been really encouraging, actually, to see an increase. As far as we can gauge, the podcast tracking is not an exact science. But as far as we can gauge, we've grown since we started, and that's really encouraging, and we're really excited. And you
1: guys being on board and coming alongside and listening and commenting and all of that stuff yeah. is a lot of fun for us.
0: It is. So... With that, I think we will close this episode out and we will see you in a couple weeks for episode 10.
1: Remember to check out audible.com and start your free trial. Get two free audiobooks, one of them being At Home in Mitford, which I guarantee you is not a downer uh, like this one. You'll enjoy it. You can thank us later.
0: In the meantime, have a great week.
1: Bye now.